doing pretty good. How are you doing over there, Steve? I'm okay. Awesome. I, I bet you're wondering why I called you here. I don't know why we're yelling. Yeah, me either. We're, the mic's right in front of our face. Yeah. We're sitting at the same small table we always do. Oh, yeah. The same distance from one another. Episode, Nothing has changed at all. Episode... 94. Uh, I was going to see how long the ch 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 went. So he's like, wait, wait, wait. Is it 94? What, wait, nope. what guys? What, what, what? It was a power ballad structure, so I knew he wasn't going to leave us hanging for Got too it. long. Got nope. it. The drums. Do, 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 do. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> 94. Yeah, episode 94 of Movie Schmoving. And it's actually fitting that we're singing uh, at the beginning of this episode because this is uh, this is actually one of the stranger <laughs> topics that we've done. But it actually, uh, you know, it does. It, it's interesting because it it's the first time we've really looked at us at one year. That mm-hmm. year being 1994. But we're going to talk about songs from the movies in 1994 in celebration of our 94th episode. Right, right. Kind of all started because like last two or three episodes, Ronald's been coming in with. You know, episode ninety two, episode ninety three. These are the hits of that year. Yeah, like like he's Casey Kasem or something. And then John's like, let's let's just pick our favorite soundtrack songs from ninety four mm. and go a little bit deeper into the song. And, mm. Okay, mm-hmm. it's gonna be fun. Look at where pop music and yeah. the schmovies that we like to talk about yeah. intersect. Minus, oh, good. All right, I have a a warning. Okay. Well, why don't we? Well, we're not gonna get into that just yet. Okay. We're gonna do something right. before we get to our list. So save your warning, okay. so that I can I can react negatively yeah. in a few minutes. Right. But you wanted you wanted to do a couple. You saw a few films over the past two, week. I, yeah, I saw two big films. One that John and I saw and loved, and we waited anxiously for you to see. Prisoners. Right. Good. Great. Great colors. Great sound. It was sad. It was a really sad, dark movie, but <clears> it was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, twists. Twists and turns all over the place. How do you feel about the last shot? With oh man, like I don't, the way it ends. The way it ends. The way it ends. Yeah. I I I thought when I first saw it, I was like, this is way too American of a <clears throat> end ending. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that you think is going to happen is going to happen necessarily. You know what I mean? Like I thought that was really cool. I I mean I like that it wasn't. That it that it happened and then they didn't go into it any further. Well, they set it, you up to sort of be able to visualize what what it was going to be like. Yeah. Like, there's a few statements made about you know what might happen that you you sort of get a picture in your head of what the next step of the story is. But the yeah. uh, the movie I think wisely stopped short of of dramatizing like that. that. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think that's something that you know <clears> I actually <throat> made a note of this for a for a topic we might do at some point but it's hard to talk about this topic without just ruining movies but something about like best endings mm. you know there's got to be a way just like we've talked about wanting to do best twists yeah there's got to be a way to do those and then just can... issue like a huge blanket spoiler warning at the beginning that maybe we don't if you have haven't to... seen all films don't listen to <laughs> <Yeah>. this episode <laughs> maybe we can do maybe we can do that and maybe not tell the ending and maybe talk about what it made us feel maybe I don't know. We don't have to say what it is, right? We could do that. I don't know. I, I have to. You have to spoil it. You're, you're a spoiler motherfucker. We could actually do that thing. General. I've heard people do that thing where they'll say, "Jump ahead two minutes" if you don't want to hear this. Spoiler. <laughs> look, look. Yeah. Okay, we're on episode ninety-four at this point. <laughs> you know how this op- this operation goes, right. and and especially if we're talking about movies that have been out for 10, 15, 20 years, depending what you pick. Yeah. If you choose to listen to our favorite endings of all time, you got to know we're going to be talking about these movies, and there's mm. movies that come to mind when you talk about that. Not that this, this episode that we're doing I'm now, put, but... I'm a, you know I'm going to put Saw I'm, in there. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you guys say. I love that Well, for that everybody book. I know that has mentioned that <laughs> they have a hard time listening to this show because they don't see movies quick enough and they don't want to hear the movies talked about. Some people are, like, don't want to know 
right. anything about a movie. Right. I think those people would have a hard time with this <clears throat> show, but I talked to just as many people who, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. the, I think the level at which we pitch our spoiler control yeah, is we're, pretty, we're, we're pretty good. We're pretty good about and that. And we even when we talk about something that we're right up on talking about it, I think oftentimes you still have to have seen the film to know exactly what we're saying. You know? I agree. The one thing I wonder is how interesting is that to someone who hasn't seen the film? But, you know, that's on you, whoever's out yeah. there listening. Yeah. Yeah. You, you decide what movies to see. Yeah. So you like Prisoners. I like Prisoners. Oh, oh, quite a bit, it sounds. Quite a bit. Now, the uh, other film you saw... Spike Lee's Old Boy. Very weird about this movie. He doesn't call it a joint. He calls it a Spike Lee film, which makes me think that he's he did it for the studio. Makes me uncomfortable. Well, what did he? What was in front of uh, Inside Man? Was that the name of his heist film? I think that was considered a joint. I think he called that one a joint. <laughs> this one wasn't a joint. So this. So what makes? What's the difference between a film and a joint? The, he's taking a paycheck and versus yeah yeah versus <laughs> something him. he really wants to do. I mean, I he did know. use the famous dolly shot. He did. He did use that. First person dolly shot thing, but um, in general, I, I mean, I'm I just saw old boy. One day he's just gonna throw a shot of Dolly Parton into one of his yeah, films. Yeah, he should. Dolly, man, that yeah. would be a really good shot. Yeah. Dolly Parton or the, Dolly Parton being dollied down the dollied street. Down the street. Mm, that would be a busty shot. You throw in some melting clocks in the background, <laughs> and that's a triple dolly. Anyway, you were saying. So um, is it like a style-free movie for him? Is it not something that feels spike It's not style-free, style but the, the fact of the matter is the, the, the Korean version had so much uh, character to it that it's a really hard thing to remake a film like this and not mm. piss off a million people. I thought it was a really... Spike Lee did a really good job. Some of the shortcomings kind of came from Josh Brolin. Who was great? Really? Who was great in the movie? It's just that he didn't really express some of the torture that a man who stayed in a prison for ten years or fifteen years would have felt. Like it, I mean, he doesn't really convey that as well as um, the. Does he seem too tough or too strong or something? Sort of. He doesn't seem as broken, and that and that's one of the things that comes out of it. Like uh, the Korean version. The, the gentleman's a lot more broken about it. And, you know, Josh Brolin is more of a dick. Like, that that's one of the things that they kind of... He's more of a jock. Mm -hmm. And that, that that's one of the things they kind of uh, really convey in the movie. Uh, in general, I thought it was solid. I mean, it's not as, it's not as bad as everybody keeps saying it is. I read a really good review of it on IGN way before it came out. And I thought it kind of... I kind of shared the same sentiment. It wasn't... I don't really like remakes... And uh, for an effort for a movie that, in a lot of people's eyes, is really flawless, the tone of this was a lot more serious in comparison. Because I think that Old Boy was a little more silly, um, and this was silly, but it less silly. Why remake this movie? I mean, if you're Spike Lee, why remake Old Boy if you don't have like a take on the material? I think American culture loves to destroy things mm -hmm. and that's one of the I, I don't think foreign movies a lot of foreign movies should be remade I, I, i'm just not a big fan of it but I mean, there outside, are of, some your, outside of your feelings about remakes though does this movie bring anything new I, to the yeah, table it does it does um the the whole reason behind why the guy captured him makes a lot more sense in this one okay whereas in the first one it was it seemed very random and it and, and it did have a it, there was a reason but this one makes more sense another thing that was weird too was the villain who was played by... Charlton Copley. So, 
He was. Do you realize that Steve? We just act as Ronald's brain. Yeah. At times, what Ronald did is right he put nuts. his hand on his head and kind of grimaced, and then Steve and I in unison <laughs> in stereo said, "Ronald um, Copley." He wasn't as strong as the Korean villain. Does that mean he controls us, Steve? <laughs> maybe, I think maybe, so. maybe. Uh, Samuel Jackson, very good. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen, also very good. Same twist at the end, if you've seen it. Yeah. So it's. It's a gross movie. Like, yeah. that's the one thing that's still the same, except there's a lot more, like, gore. So, I. Oh, more I, gore than the original? More gore. That, I've read that a couple places, oddly, yeah. which surprised me. Yeah. And, and, well, the thing about the Korean one was where the, where the screen would, uh, where the camera, camera would kind of turn, yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't turn. And you see in a lot of, like, stabbings and heads being dismantled. And hammerings. Hammerings. And, uh, yeah, so. I don't know. Overall, I thought it was pretty solid. I don't know a lot of Spike Lee fans that seem to be that aware of this film. I don't know. I haven't talked to that many people that seem aware of this movie at all. At all, yeah. So, like, what is the point of this? This remake? Of I really, a... I really think that. I'm, as though Co- you're answering for it, Ronald. Move. Ronald, damn it! Tell me <laughs> tell why. Me. I think that. I think that as a culture, original films are becoming few and far in between. People are banking on the idea that you you have an idea of what this is and mm-hmm. then people are going to go see it. There's a built-in thing. like There's like the franchise ideas like Transformers and stuff like that. There aren't a lot of big budget original stories. Right. And I think they were banking on the idea that people would have known this movie and that's a built-in audience. See, but it seems like a built-in audience that's going to... The hammer scene th- is terrible. That's going to dislike it. Like it seems to me... Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Steve? It yep. seems like the people that love Old Boy, the original, are not interested in this and don't know why it exists. A lot of them. And the people who don't know Old Boy, the original, this is a really hard sell, yep. weird film. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just it just it's odd of a, for a director of Spike Lee, his caliber, to, uh, yeah. to make a movie that... I mean, you know, he's had a few misfires, but they've always kind of seemed like they were in his style. So you for him to make a movie that seems like it's just an odd, yeah. almost like a one-off for him. Like, this feels like he's he's doing it for something else. Yeah. It has to be. Like, it it is nothing... He hasn't really promoted it much. Like, I think this is for something else. Like, it's, it's like the one-off before he does something bigger, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of one of the other ones. Crooklyn too. No, the <laughs> Crooklyn's on my list. Mm. Fuck, that's crazy. Crooklyn's on my list. Wow. Uh, the, that's strange. Crooklyn's never come up before. The Miracle of Saint Anna. Nah. One of those, like one of the bigger projects that kind of close to close to him. That you know. That he needs some money to pull off. Needs some money to pull off. So. I would suggest seeing it. You're gonna hate. No, the, you're gonna I'm hate curious. the hammer scene. If you've seen the original one, mm-hmm. you're gonna hate the the hammer fight scene. It's done shittily. Like I don't know. They should have gotten somebody that was well, like. See, a to fight me, call. I swore I thought that was when we were gonna get the dolly shot. I thought we were gonna get the hammers because the hammer scene is like the side. It's like yeah, anyone so who hasn't long. seen it. There's a scene down a hallway where a character is fighting his way through a bunch of henchmen with a yeah. hammer, essentially. And it's as, you know, you're basically tracking him down the hall. It's a long shot that just follows as though one of the walls of the hallway is gone and the camera is just tracking down that yeah. long hallway. That's so tailor-made for Spike Lee to say, all right, we're going to do that same thing, but it's going to be the the Spike. I mean, it would have been maybe one of the few times where that dolly shot would have seemed like motivated and kind of a cool thing. Oh, shit. So in the back done. of my mind, I just thought surely that was going to be it. It was shittily oh, done. All yeah, right. So, but um, still see it? Still see it. Check it out. Did cool. you see the original Old Boy, Steve? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. All right, so we have a couple of quick news items we wanted to mm-hmm. talk about real briefly. Yeah. One being 
the passing of Paul Walker. Yes. Which is really sad. And I was like, it, it was one of those weird things. Like when I saw it Saturday, come across all this social media that we belong to, it's like people were saying it was false. And then, you know, it was weird to me how long it took for something to actually like confirm it. Which, you know, sadly, it, it, it was true. And, you know, it's really a horrible thing to hear. He's only 40 years old, just turned 40, has a 15-year-old daughter. Um, yeah. You know, in the middle of, of, of a film that a lot of people are looking forward to, a huge franchise. Um, which, the inter- it's not interesting, but it's really impressive, in my, in my opinion, that right off the bat, like, Universal has come out and said, like, basically this movie's stopping. Yeah. You know, I think that's an oh, awesome wow. movie. Yeah, have you not seen that? No. So basically they've no, said, no, no. like, as of right now, it's indefinitely being put on productions, like, stop until, you know, we can be there for his family, for the whole Fast and the Furious family. Like, that's what they keep referring to, like, everybody. I mean, they were literally on on a break, like a holiday break from production. They were getting yeah. ready to go and pick up shooting yeah. after the after right, exactly. Thanksgiving. After that weekend. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they were, it was like, you know, it was a, it was a break from work. They were supposed to come back to work. They, yeah. Everyone was, I mean, I guess I'm just saying that to indicate just how fully involved these people were with him and how yeah. much he was a part of their lives and vice versa, especially this crew that has made so many films over it's the last together, few yeah. years. Yeah. So. It's, um, it's really sad. And I mean, you know, he's not like, I guess, a huge movie star. I mean, he is, but he's not like the big name like that a lot of people... Yeah. I guess Mike. He's kind of been a, like he's one of those people that's almost almost could have become a punching bag because of the pretty boy factor. But I think yeah. there was always something different about him. Even as someone who honestly I can't think if I've seen him in a movie. Period. Like I, I saw some of Varsity Blues and I saw some of Running Scared. I think yeah, I Running, love, I love which, which I really scared. liked. But that was oh, about yeah. to say, my favorite. That movies. film yeah. made me go, oh, this Paul Walker guy seems to be trying to do something different. I honestly haven't seen him in anything else. But I never. I guess what I'm getting at is he never fell into that trap that so many young kind of hunky actors do yeah. of seeming to be kind of empty between the ears. He there was always something else. You know, he 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 wasn't as much of a punchline as as you as as yeah. he started out being. And I I thought that was kind of. It's kind of interesting to see that, like, you know, maybe he's not the star of those films, but surely he was a factor in in, in why people love yeah. those movies. Totally. I mean, he's kind of the heart of it. Like, he was... I, I agree. I was, was, was going to say that he is kind of the heart of the movie, I think. Yeah. Like, I think we're, we're Vin Diesel's character is more like the... Maybe the soul and like the brawn or whatever, but yeah, Brian, the character Brian, and there's, I mean, and I'm, I, I'm a, just like, I, I like the movies a lot. Mm-hmm. And, I, and just oddly like enough, I've grown to like them more... As more have come out, which is like never happens in sequels and franchises. But regardless, yeah, I mean, it's something you look back and, and like John was saying, like, you know, movies like Varsity. And I mean, I, I maybe I align a little more with the actor because he was like kind of there when I was coming out of high school and a lot of the movies I saw, you know, but Varsity Blues, She's All That. She's All um, That. Into the Blue. Skulls, right? Into the Blue. Joyride, which is a great little revenge horror road trip thriller with Steve Zahn and, uh, Lily Sobieski. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, Paul Walker's in that. But I mean, you know, I, I've always thought he was a solid guy and solid actor. I've never really disliked him, and it's really sad to to, to yeah. see to see somebody that young pass away. Yeah. But I, again, I just want to really kind of not that they listen to us, but I mm-hmm. think it's really impressive that right away the studio is like, this movie doesn't matter, right? I mean, obviously it matters, but they basically have said. Right now, this movie stops. Well, a tentpole movie of next year yeah. for them. Yeah, July, you know, big summer yeah. release, guaranteed huge blockbuster worldwide hit. What they've um, said, I've what I read was that they're going to go, they're kind of recalibrating. They yeah. intend to use well, what the footage they've shot with him. They, they don't want to... Well, there's been some reports from some different websites, like I was reading on The Wrap online today, that there's been a report that there's even, I mean, again, these are reports, 
that there's been discussion of possibly even scrapping the film and letting his character's end be at the end of Fast and Furious 6. Because there is closure at the end of that film for that character. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that happens, I don't know. But just I just wanted to kind of give kudos, like to say, you know, we're not going to keep going. And obviously they're going to stop and recalibrate. But to say something like indefinitely for a movie that's supposed to come out in six months, seven months, right? You know, a two hundred million dollar budgeted film. That's that's pretty. That was again just based on the performance of the last few and the increasing box office actually of the last few. And really, you were saying you've started to like them more. That seems to have been the general consensus is that when those movies locked in on what they were and how to make that, how to amp that up and 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 to to kind of just roll around in that mud of like over the top action. Those movies. I mean, there's a lot of serious critics who have have warmed up to those films. The last few films have all been fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So in that sense, yeah, this movie, you know was primed to be yeah it, it does say a lot that the studio is willing to kind of temporarily shelve it what what that what that, i can't help but wonder does that mean it's going to get pushed back to the summer of 2015 <laughs> yeah it'll join that fertile ground yeah where everything but, is coming up yeah it's sad stuff but um yeah and by the way I, you know the first fast and furious joke that i read about paul walker dying in a car crash wasn't funny. The fifth definitely wasn't funny, and like the twentieth was really lame. So yeah. all you out there on Facebook, you you know, the, it, it was the first thought everybody had, yeah. and anyone with any kind of taste decided they were going to drop that idea because yeah. it's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like humorously ironic about. I mean, it's like yeah, it's like it's not really a, a you aren't reaching like it's yeah. like a super obvious stupid joke, and yeah. I and I'm friends with a bunch of comedians that told a bunch of shitty jokes. <laughs> None of them were funny, man. Yeah. None of them were funny. So yeah. I think there's that weird rush to like say something snarky nowadays that people yeah. don't. You got you gotta you gotta crack it first. Yeah, people kind of trip over that whole idea of human decency. Somebody yeah. did say "rest in peace, Riddick," which I thought was really funny. That's kind of funny, but that's <laughs> funny in that weird sort. Of, I could see like uh, Anthony Jeselnik or someone like that yeah, getting away yeah. with that, or Rob Delaney, you know, someone on yeah. their Twitter feed. But so, but yeah, it's also like funny. Just to before we leave the subject, it's I always think it's funny that people feel the need to like they they'll want to say, "Well, that's sad." But they also have to say, I never liked any of his films, and I thought he sucked, but I, I think that's that. sad. What and it's is, always like, why, why don't about? you just keep your mouth shut to begin with? Why don't you just point? say it's sad? Yeah. If or just wanna, don't say anything. If you want to express emotion, say it's sad. Yeah. Don't yeah. say, I mean, you basically negate even showing human emotion by like, yeah. but importantly, mm-hmm. I didn't like the dude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no. I mean, I don't know. People are It's, it's sad. It's period. It's sad. Yeah. It's, it's sad to see somebody that young pass away and, you know, you know. And if you, did you see a picture of the, the wreck? It There's looked, video online. It's just the front of the car. How much? Just the wreckage. Have you, you know? seen the video? Yeah. I haven't seen, of of the. Of There's the, security camera uh, footage from the factory. That oh no, I haven't seen that. Oh man, you don't actually see see it, but you see the explosion. Yeah, it's it's horrible. They well, burned alive, it's which is crazy. It's, it's, well, it's when horrible. I heard that, like they actually had to, it, like you know, it was dental records was how they, yeah, that's they identified oh, them. Like God. that fact right there just made my stomach drop. Yeah, uh, the the footage of Tyrese at the crash site was really mm-hmm. sad too. Yeah, who shoots that kind of thing? That a lot of so people much. shot it. Uh, there were like twenty people around with cameras in his face as he was sobbing. Uh, it's it's, a, it's just a spe- I mean, yes. kudos to him again. I mean, him. I saw videos of like Vin Diesel went going by and mm-hmm. talking to people and thanking mm-hmm. people for coming. Which, you know, these are like huge stars. That just like t- the Tyrese one. He just like rolled up in his car yeah. and just he was there like, was no entourage with him. Yeah. He just stopped, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And it's it's just really sad. You know, it's like it's it's. It's sad, but it's really impressive. I know I keep saying the word impressive, like with the studio, but <clears throat> you always see like these celebrities like gather around one another when there's a passing in the Hollywood scene, and like you know, mm-hmm. there's always kind words to be said about a lot of mm-hmm. people, and most of them are probably true. But I feel like just 
seeing like this sense of family that I think is really kind of outpoured from yeah. from this Fast and the Furious world, which you know, like John, it's it's something. It's a movie that's embraced what it is and it has fun. And but like this is like this is like life to people, and this is it really is a, an extended family. And it's and for like, some of these people, it's their fifth or sixth movie together yeah, exactly. in the last decade that they've yeah. done with this. Um, it, it is also it's it points out how rare it is that a big movie has had a star die during the production of yeah. the movie. But that you oh, kind of yeah. think of the, yeah. the you think there's been a lot of big stars obviously that have died, but like it's rare to have that. Like I remember Heath Ledger had uh, obviously Dark Knight he'd just finished, but yeah. you know, he was in the middle of filming the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, Parnassus. Yeah, and they found a creative way around that. They decided to use the footage. I, I would I would be interested to see if they decide to use some of the footage they shot with them. I didn't know anything about the storyline, so if you say they left him at a good spot at the end of the sixth movie, maybe yeah. they, maybe they want to leave. I mean, it there. again, it's a rumor, but it does make. It's interesting. I mean, because it does the the last film did kind of close the loop a little bit for his character. Well, there's something kind of creepy about if like what they would have to do is like retroactively kill his character off, which would yeah. be weird to do without yeah. his consent. Yeah. I don't know unless they get his consent from yeah. beyond the grave, but I don't think that you. Can. I don't think they're going to <laughs> seance or something like that. But if we can if we can jump tones yeah, yeah. from from uh, the sad from the sad to the to potentially joyous there might be some joyous music on this chart <laughs> but yeah so I I thought I was being such a clever boy when I shot a text out a few days ago that said hey a crazy idea for 094 why don't we take the pop music thing a little further that's this music charts thing we've been doing let's just talk about oh, soundtrack hits from that year because I just thought surely I was going to look and see all the movies that came out that year and find all these wacky pop songs that were that we all remember in a kind of cringing way from that era and there weren't a lot and I realized and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording that really the golden age for for well the golden age for like pop songs in soundtracks like uh you're the best around and that kind of thing that was the 80s you could probably pick almost any year in the mid 80s and there would be a ton of films where we would all remember those silly songs and the montages they were they were used to you know in the used for in the films can i but but in the 90s it becomes a little bit harder the soundtrack idea shifts a little bit and also i think i find and this might be why it was easy for steve and not so easy for me is that i think that i don't i don't have as much affection for the pop of that era as i probably would if i had if i was a little bit younger when that a lot of those yeah. radio songs were coming out, because I know you do have sure. a lot of affection for that kind of early alternative stuff. Alternative, so, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, well, I, I think alternative, of, but pop, I mean, I think of that as the alternative era, like the mid to early, early to mid '90s was kind of when the when when pop music and alternative was kind of converging. Crossing and there were a lot of great soundtracks if you liked like the radio hits of the time. But I find that that was when I was listening the least to the radio, and so mm. it was harder than I expected to find songs that were hits from that year. But I did manage to find a lot of soundtracks from that year that were that were noteworthy. What what was it like for you, Steve? I know you say it was Yeah, immediate. this was like probably the best time I've had in, like of all the list shows that we've had, I usually like stress <laughs> out and like cry a little bit about things and like, you know, I get very upset about I know why I was, like, I guessed one of the reasons why it was easy for you. And I mean, but immediately when you said, I mean, because the soundtracks, I mean, I, I mean, I love movie soundtracks, like beyond scores, <laughs> we've done that episode. Yeah. But like just hit songs. And I mean, the way I thought about it, I know we talked a little bit prior, like how we approached it. I was go- I kind of went towards individual songs as a well I think we all did as opposed to just a soundtrack. We may you know kind of give give attention to the soundtrack for being great, but a song. And I specifically went for songs that were at least first introduced through the soundtrack or written for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So either way, both criteria were like I said the quickest the quickest three that I've ever come up with, which was awesome for me because like I said normally it's a stress. It's a stressful situation, but I'm... I'm pretty, and not only that, I will preface by saying 
these are true, true indicators of how much of a teenage girl I really am. <laughs> and my, my affection for pop, for pop ballads, mm-hmm. and for all things sentimental. So, yeah. But Ronald, I think you're going to be the... Yeah, Ronald has actually made it clear. Ronald, I should ask yeah. you how Ronald you Ronald was the first it. one to say, yeah, John, great idea. And I also, idea. 12 hours before well, no, this recording, say, same... wait a second. So, so they, wait a second. There's a bunch of facts. So let's just say, yeah, just to, since we were kind of talking over each other, Ronald kind of made it clear earlier this evening that one of his songs is is a piece of score or, or yeah. like a theme from a movie. But yeah. I think... In Arnold's defense, I think his reaction, Steve, came from the same place mine did. Of I'm going to look and I'm going to see all these these songs yeah. that'll be fun to talk about. I was like, yeah. Man. And it was a shock to me that, like I said, there weren't as many uh, from that era. So maybe Ronald went through the same thing. But Ronald has, we know, one of your songs does not meet the criteria. Okay. But we're going to have you start off. You're going to fall on your sword so right be- out of the before, gate. Before before I start, I, I have to tell you something. Ronald James at 11 years old. This this is gonna sound really fucking. I hadn't dealt with a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. I hadn't. So a lot of the movies that I watched were ones that were brought to me by cousins and stuff like that. If I could use the term hood movies, man, there were there were movies. So this is based off. I think of that. you can use that term. Okay. I don't think that over here but on this so, side of the table. We so can you're gonna term. you're gonna hear some songs and movies that you may have never have seen before, but some some you. Hey, have. that's great diversity. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Diversity. Okay. So, so you number know one, this. You number know one, the, you know this one, Beverly Hills Cop Three, <laughs> the theme because I could not get it out of my head when I saw it. Nile Rodgers, I think I should get some credit for that. Nile Rodgers, the Beverly Hills Cop Three theme. There's a different theme to no, Beverly same, Hills Cop it's Three. The same one. So, so it's, basically, <laughs> it's still okay, Axel it's Foley's. So Axel Foley's. It's the Axel theme. F theme, right? Was that Nile Rodgers? Yeah. Uh oh, John's about to disprove it. Yes. Uh-oh, John's about to disprove it. <laughs> and the reason why now Rogers is so cra- so so important right now is have you heard the shit? It's not him. The face. That's the Walker face. Bites the lip, turns don't the tell head me it's not him. up to the left a little bit. Well, I don't know. Maybe now Rogers did it for part three, but uh Harold Faltermeyer did Look at part three. <laughs> that would have been a great pick if we were talking about scores for 1980X. <laughs> Films. But this is 1994, and that songs. That's, but that's a great pick, Ronald. There were words to it. <laughs> this movie is about Axel. He shoots a bunch of people, but he is. I thought it was like very, very low in the mix because I miss. I, I miss. Very this. smart and very witty. All right. Well, now we're gonna hear a little bit of Nile Rodgers' Axel F. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> Come on, Nile. <laughs> Come on, Nile Rodgers. Okay, a here's the thing different. that's funny about this. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit more delay the on his side. Yeah, is you a know little what? Different. It didn't have a sound at the beginning. But here's the thing that's funny about that. Here's the thing that's funny about covering Axel F. <laughs> Every kid that got, came into contact with a Casio between the years of like 85 and 92 oh, yeah. covered Axel I think F. I recorded that version. <laughs> 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 he stole that from me. <laughs> but we'll give. I'll give it to you because you know. When I l- because we have to. Because we have to. <laughs> Out of pity. Because we've got no choice. <laughs> because we have to move on. <laughs> Out of pity. <laughs> what other themes were so easy to learn on piano? I guess the Halloween theme was one that a lot of oh, people yeah. learned. Nightmare on Elm Street had a had an easy theme to play. I, I mean, it wasn't the, the big... Chopsticks? Chopsticks. Was that a movie theme? Oh, I guess big. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, you know, it was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. That, that I love said. It. He has the loose. Oh, 
He has the loosest <laughs> it was definitions in for these. Okay, I love it. It was in a movie. Do you have anything else to say about the XLF theme? <laughs> no, it was... Okay. I loved it. All right. Um, so, okay, my first pick, Ronald, Ronald called me out before we started recording. I'm going to just say it now so it can't come back around and he'll steal mm. it from me. So that'll force his hand on another one that he, <laughs> what his other great picks are. <laughs> All right, so... In no particular order, by the way, uh, I'm going to go with Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John from the Lion King soundtrack. Um, mainly because, well, one, I remember singing the song in school, which was really fun. Uh, but also just because the Lion King is probably one of my favorite uh, Disney films of all time. Not to mention that the film uh, had three songs that were nominated for Academy Awards that year. great ballad great great disney song but what's really interesting about it is like this film kind of was coming towards the end of the disney renaissance um post uh alan menken and howard ash more ashman 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 um i think howard ashman yeah you can look that up for me john but i mean elton john tim rice this is like this is kind of a different thing with a lot of their musicals that they had um that uh, menken and we've got to confirm on ashman menken and ashman uh, you know, a different singer, a different singer-songwriter combination, mm. and I mean, not only was it wildly successful, but three songs from the soundtrack getting nominated for for Academy Awards with "Kenny for Love Night." Um, it was a number one hit on the U.S. Uh, on the Billboard uh, Adult Contemporary charts, uh, number three on the mainstream, and number four on the Hot 100, which is huge for soundtrack. Oddly enough, though, when I looked up the certifications, the RIAA certifications, it only was. It always it was only certified for like five hundred thousand copies, mm-hmm. really, which is weird to me. Like doesn't doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's just the single from the chart that I was looking at or the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm assuming the single because it had the soundtrack had to sell more than than, than gold. Like that's nothing, yeah. especially for that time when discs were selling. Right when people actually bought, bought albums. Bought albums. I just remember that sequence in the film being. You know, like th- th- they're making some serious bedroom eyes at each other while they're like rolling around in the grass. That's a <laughs> that's some pretty hot shit for a, for a Disney film at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was. It's a great movie. Yeah, but that's it right there. That's it right there. I mean, I got nothing else to say. Cool. Quick question. Can you feel the love tonight? (laughs) Always. Always. I knew that about you. (laughs) I never doubted you for a second. I don't know whether to go with the song that... From the movie that I like the least, like you know, one of the, one of the musical moments. The way I arrived at this list was to was to come at like what moments that I remembered without having to really drag myself through it too much. Once I saw what movies had come out in '94, I tried to think of mm-hmm. movies that had a moment that that stood out to me where okay. the, the music really made the moment. So that's kind of why this moment is on this list. And otherwise, I don't know that I would I would ever have an, a reason to talk about this film, or if I would ever have a reason to talk about this song. Um, but if you were to ask someone what is the best use of the 70s soft rock hit Afternoon Delight in a film, they might say Anchorman. <laughs> right. But they'd be forgetting PCU from 1994, wow. which which has a scene where... Wait, so is this the one that you like the most or like the, the, the this, movie? This is a movie that I don't know that I would ever mention ever. I would ever single out for a list except for this this topic. Uh, unless we best gonna... film where Jeremy Piven actually had hair. Right, exactly. Yeah. If we were going to do that, if we were going to say best film where ter- Jeremy Piven... It's just hard to tell whether it's a toupee or right, it's real exactly. hair. Top then of the this, list. This might make the list. <laughs> but in this film, he plays... Uh, I believe his character's name is Draws. Mm-hmm. 
which is that kind of name you give that sort of character. How do you spell D-R-O-Z? D-R-O-Z. There's a wrestler named Draws. But, the, named but there's a scene where, where Draws and, his, and his, uh, his pals are trying to, I think they're just trying to, they're trying to buy time so that they can get get like beer for their keg party or something. But there's some reason why they have locked a bunch of the, the snobby kids from the school like if there's an alumni fundraise, fundraiser going on, and I believe like the dean is there, and the young Republican contingent from the from the school, which is uh, represented by David Spade in an actual pretty funny performance yeah. in that film, uh, they, he they, they get locked into this fundraiser, and what Draws did, he didn't just lock them in, guys. This is like in that that uh, category of you know like the type of pranks people pull in police academy films and that sort of thing. They didn't just lock the people into a room, they stuck the CD with Afternoon Delight on it in the CD player, stuck on repeat, locked the cabinet that has the musical gear in it, then like stuck a, a club, like a, the club you put on a steering wheel in a car, on the doors to this place so that everyone's trapped inside this fundraiser listening to Afternoon Delight being blasted top volume over and over again. And I know it cuts back to the group, and you know, I don't know, whenever I hear that song, like, I, you know, I was a big Anchorman fan, I loved it when the guys broke into four-part harmony and sang it in that, but I always think, you know, Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, David Ketchner, David Keckner, is it? Sure. David Keckner, <laughs> Steve Carell. You know who got there first? Draws. Draws. Draws and David Spade. Skyrockets in flight. But the the song is by the. Uh, I love this, the name of this group, the Starland Vocal Band. That is the kind of name that could only exist in the 70s. The song was actually a pretty big hit in 1976. It was a number one song. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know how long it stayed at the top of the Billboard Hot 100, but it was a number one song in 1976. And what's interesting is that the guy who wrote the song has said that he wanted to write a song that gave sort of a winking reference to sex. But, I mean, of course, I, I don't know, maybe that was just a more innocent time, but now when you hear it, that's all that anyone thinks yeah. of. Maybe the phrase Afternoon Delight meant sex before that song. Maybe that song is the reason why people, you know, but for some reason you can't hear that song without thinking about catching a nooner. Mm. And also, <clears throat> oddly enough, this is a strange thing. In 2010, Billboard named it uh, the 20th sexiest song of all time. That can't be true wow. when Prince has recorded at least 20 songs. <laughs> <laughs> all of them hyper sexy. Yeah. All of them sexier than <laughs> Afternoon Delight. Yeah. Um, I guess it's my turn. So mine is from uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Crooklyn. So there's a scene where Isaiah Washington's character, Vic, I fuck, I do not like Isaiah Washington at all. Uh, maybe based on his like anti-homosexual rants that he's gone on several times. Or just his behavior in general. He seems like a, a wired up guy. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of a similar character. Um, and there is a person in the neighborhood named uh, Tony Eyes. And uh, he's kind of a stinky guy. Has a lot of cats. And um, all the kids are messing with him in the neighborhood. And and he finally kind of flips out. Because the kids are kind of driving him crazy. Vic comes up to him to defuse the situation. And he's trying to talk down Tony. Uh Tony goes a little crazy, and Vic punches him in the face. Uh, So then, uh, a couple hours later, the police pick Vic up. And and he's he's a war vet. Uh, Vic is a war vet. uh, Wired. And he's like, 
Tony's like the only white guy in the neighborhood. And and they don't really say that this is one of the issues, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jimi Hendrix, Hey Joke, plays. And it's a really powerful moment. Hey Joe or Hey Joke? Hey Joe. <laughs> hey Joe. Did I say joke? Yeah. No, I did not. Yeah. I said Hey Joe. Hey Joke should be the, if you ever hey do joke. record an album with your stand-up material no, on it. No, I said Hey Joe. <laughs> hey Joke. Hey Joe. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really powerful moment. And, and um, it's the first time that I was introduced to Jimi Hendrix. Hey Joe. Where you going with that gun in your Uh, it was it was so appropriate because like this this guy had had there was a scene where he like flipped out on somebody this is like post traumatic stress disorder they don't really say what all this stuff is but it's kind of experiencing it in from the perspective of these kids that were in Brooklyn so that's like one of my favorite songs and moments in the movie and I love Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee. <laughs> Oh, Spike Lee movies. <laughs> was this a Bruce Lee joint or a Bruce a joint, Lee yeah. film? A Bruce Lee joint. Uh, great, great use of the dolly shot too. <laughs> a good Bruce Lee joint would be like elbow. Yeah. Me. Yeah. That is a good joint. Yeah, for him anyway. He makes use of it. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> you speak so clearly. Uh. Okay, my second pick is, uh, it comes from the film With Honors, um, starring Brendan Fraser, Patrick Dempsey, Jared Pesci, many other people. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so the the film, the single... No, read them all, Steve. uh, Yeah, I don't know the rest of them. So, yeah, the single from the, the theme, actually, quote-unquote, from the film, the single from Madonna, uh, it's called I'll Remember. I actually really like the movie with honors, um, but the song itself is just a nice ballad. It's kind of like nostalgia, you know, like looking back. It's you know about these college friends and this this time they share, and it's it's a it's kind of like got some sense in it, and um, I don't know, just 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 super pop, super su- you know sweet, and I don't know, like I'm such a sucker for like the nostalgia and like <clears throat> kind of acknowledging like the strength that you pull from people and. Um, in looking back on seeing how certain things kind of get you through situations and as mm-hmm. cheesy as that sounds like college is definitely a time if you can really have the perspective on it you can look back and say there were some definite moments where you know whether it was a relationship with you know a, a lover or you know a friendship or even a professor or this random guy that they meet mm-hmm. um, I think it really kind of taps into that like kind of being back and, and acknowledging that you know we're, we're, we're not together or we're separated or times passed but mm. um you know that you'll remember <laughs> it's like that's so cheesy and, and it's a cheesy as hell song but i mean a song again another song that was nominated for a grammy um i think it, i think it also got uh, a golden globe nomination i don't think it won anything but it made it to number two and actually she's pretty notorious for having like a lot of number two singles like never getting to that number she has a lot of number ones also but um i think she holds the record for like number two she like beat elvis i think the year after i think wikipedia mm. noted but um 
I'll remember the strength you gave me. Madonna. Oh, With Madonna. honors. Oh, Madonna. You should watch it for Patrick Dempsey, if nothing else, Ronald. Yeah, I've really watched any of the movies where he was younger in it. I mean... What was the one where he was the pizza boy who had all the... That's Lover Boy. Lover Boy. Yeah. I personally love Can't Buy Me Love. You should check that out. I may have seen that. This is a horrible blown up picture, but upper right. <laughs> I can see it. He's got the hair, little mustache, goatee. That's very 90s. He's got the flannel on. Yeah. Perfect. Patrick Dempsey. All right, John. All right, my next one, my you know, my other one was a song from 1976. I'm going back even further for, for when this actual song was recorded, but the movie it was used in was uh, one of the one of the more popular films I would say from that year, uh, Pulp Fiction, which was oh, yeah. which was a movie that had a soundtrack. I would say the the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack may even be one that I I like better as far as just the songs that are on it. But Pulp Fiction was definitely an example of Quentin Tarantino's kind of staking out of that sort of style of soundtrack that there's a few directors who do this. Uh, Wes Anderson is another one who does it, where they essentially seem to construct a mixtape that's that's the type of stuff that they like. The same way that he would unearth a star like uh, Robert Forster or John Travolta, bring sure. him back, he was taking these weird little radio hits that you may have heard and kind of recontextualizing them. Yeah. The songs that actually were the bigger hits off of the album, I think Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield was big. I know Let's Stay Together by Al Green was a song that got a lot of play. But the moment where the song and the moment to me became so one and the same and I had to pick this song was uh, the song by the Statler Brothers, Flowers on the Wall, which is what Butch, Bruce Willis's character, is listening to on the radio when he has just killed Vincent Vega and he believes he's gotten out scot-free and he basically is talking Spoiler! To yeah, spoiler for a film that's almost 20 years old. flowers on the wall That don't bother me at all Playing solitaire till dawn With the deck of 51 Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo Now don't tell me I've nothing to do and I also love when someone's driving down the road in a movie or a TV show and they're singing along to the radio. I don't know why that always is so... I, I, that's such a great relatable human moment where someone's just... Whatever's going on in their life. Tony Soprano used to do it. Where they're like singing. They're kind of half singing, kind of half talking. They don't know the words. They can't really sing. But they're sort of tapping the steering wheel and you can tell they like this one. And so, yeah, Butch is, is kind of getting into the Statler Brothers song, Flowers on the Wall, which is this great old... One of those kind of psychedelic country songs. That's, it seems to be about a guy who's just living a lonesome life and kind of trying to make it sound interesting, like he's not going crazy. The Pulp Fiction soundtrack, you got to give uh, props to it as being from that year. Um, but none of the songs on it, I don't think, with the exception of the Urge Overkill song, which is a cover of Neil Diamond, I think that might have been the only song that was actually recorded new yeah, for that soundtrack. soundtrack. And that was actually a pretty big hit. Cool. Uh, Bring it home. What do you got, Ronald? My, number number my. three. 1994 was a big year for me. Movies, <laughs> movies. One of my favorite movies was Jason's Lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story about two brothers. One played by a Bokeem Woodbine. One of my favorite terrible actors. Like he, he is in so many things and so bad and yet so good at the same time. Um, and Alan Payne, which is he isn't in much. Um, and it's basically a story about two. About some brothers who have, who are very different, very different. Alan Payne um, plays Jason, and he's a, a, he's like 21, 22, trying to find his way in the world. He's very calm, 
And then Bo Keem's character, Joshua, is insane. He is insane. He's involved in gangs and all this stuff. And Jason meets uh, Lyric, um, who's played by Jada Pinkett, and they fall in love. And I didn't know there was a character named Lyric in Jason's Lyric. <laughs> yeah. And Joshua's character, his terrible life is kind of coming in the middle of Jason kind of becoming the best version of himself because he meets Lyric. And, and I always thought it was a really cool story because it reminded me of just growing up and being around a, a group of people that you used to know that you don't really want to be around so yeah. much and kind of moving towards adulthood. Really cool movie. But uh, the song that I really like is called uh, You Will Know by Black, Black Name United. Is it Black Black? <laughs> Black Name United, Black which really doesn't make any sense of it. So, Black Men United. I don't know why I put Black Men. Black Name. Black Men United. <laughs> Ronald, <laughs> who recorded this song? I'm, I'm so confused. But the name of the song is You Will Know. But the, but the, the whole idea behind the song is like you will know at some point in your life when you have to stray away from the bullshit that you were involved in. Yeah, it's always been a really cool song to me. So, Jason's lyric, see it if you get a chance. I don't know if you'll like it, but that's that's Forrest Whitaker, Eddie okay. Griffin. This is like early Forrest Whitaker before he started making better choices in movies. But this, I mean, like, what I like about Forrest Whitaker is he can do this sort of movie and he doesn't lose credibility. So what do you mean by this type of movie, though? Well, something a little off the beaten path, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a, what what they called, what they called, oh, God, what they call best man, uh, race-related movies. Oh, my God, I fucking hate that term. But that's what it is Funny for that people. you bring that up. I've found some of the way that people talk about that film is oddly racist. Like people... They call 12... They, they, You know they included 12 Years a Slave in that group of movies, right? <sighs> Black not... Nativity, 12 Years a Slave, and uh, Best, Best Man Holiday. They Best Man didn't... Holiday. I just remember hearing people Ooh. talking about it as though they're shocked that it has mass appeal. I don't because know, to me, okay, I mean, I, I might be about to sound racist. To Say me, there's a big say. difference between Best Man Holiday and whatever the latest Tyler Perry joint It's a huge is. difference. But people are talking yeah, about Best right. Man Holiday like it's the latest Tyler... Do you know what I mean? People yeah, are talking about... It's like, to me, it's obvious that that is a movie with bankable names and stars yeah. and people that in middle America knows who they are. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe statistically, white people are much less likely to go see a movie like that. But that, to me, some, seemed like a mass yeah. market movie. It didn't seem like a quote-unquote urban skewing yeah. film. It's, you know? it's like a shitty rom-com. Like, it, except right. it just so happens Which means to people should of... eat it up, because that's what people yeah. seem it to It just love. happens to have a bunch of black people in it. And right. that's, I mean, and that's what I've, I liked about the first one. It was just a story about some people that happen to be black. Like, Soul Plane isn't the same as Best Man. Right. Like, I would never put right. these in the same category, but people do for some reason, just because it happens to have... It's very weird. Yeah. I'm surprised that Blade didn't get that treatment. You're suggesting there are still barriers yet to be torn down, <laughs> yeah. Ronald. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, yeah. I think I like to think that we're part of the campaign to win over hearts and minds. Oh, yeah, man. There's a lot of love over here that has nothing to do with race. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. <clears throat> <laughs> Bring it home, Steve. All right, last one for me. Um, Jenga the mover. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is uh, actually I'm not sure. I'm trying to look it up. I'm not 100 percent if this was actually his first film that he directed. So bear with me here for oh, the I, one. I think it might be, and I, I hope it's what I think it's going to be. Um, let me let. Can I stall for a minute and say that um, I'm looking something up? Sure. And should, I want to verify before I make a statement. Should I put on horn rims and lounge around my New York apartment? <laughs> Can my, you please? My empty New York apartment. Can you please? Yeah, so this is his first feature film that he directed, mm-hmm. A Man from Comedy. Yes. Um, but basically, I want to acknowledge the Reality Bites soundtrack. Um, the film itself, I'm, I, I really love. I mean, I just think like the whole observation of Generation X and uh, you know the different... Uh, what do you call them? Like the different groups, you know, the different little cliques that were amongst that generation. Um, Ethan Hawke, Winona Ryder, Ben Stiller, the director, obviously, and st- one of the stars in the film. Uh, Who actually comes off a lot. When you watch the movie now, people seem to agree. Michael, you yeah. go with that character. Even He was supposed to seem like the uptight yuppie prick back exactly. in the day. But yeah. now it seems like it's obvious that Ethan Hawke is going nowhere. <laughs> and that Michael's got a good job and he cares. He stuck with yeah. Michael. Yeah. You should have just let him chop up her documentary yeah. film. I wonder if Ben Stiller, since he did direct that film and star as Michael. I wonder if he sort of, if he stealthily did that. It's like, well, I'm not going to get the girl, but I'm going to make it obvious to future audiences. <laughs> Look ahead. That, you know, I've, I've got more of a nest egg. I'm more of a, I'm more right. of a stable guy. I'm the safe bet. Yeah. If yeah. You um, but the song I want to highlight is, uh, is Lisa Loeb and uh, her hit song was called uh, Stay, parenthesis, I Missed You, close parenthesis. Um, <laughs> you know, they added that because this, there were so many songs called Stay. Yeah. Already. Mm. Yeah. Say, I only hear what I want to. So, but what's really cool about it is that, well, not only did I love this soundtrack, other films, I mean, other songs in the soundtrack that stood out to me, uh, The Next, My Sharona, mm-hmm. um, U2, All I Want Is You, and I Love Big Mountains, Baby, I Love Your Way, their, their version. It's um, a great song. Yeah, but the, the thing that's really cool about the Lisa Loeb song, well, I love the song. I think the song is great. Um, super sweet song. Yeah. Um, but what's really cool and is that something that kind of set the standard for like the idea to go after unsigned artists was that she was the first um, she was the first artist to, to have a number one single in the Hot 100 that wasn't signed to a label. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. um, so this is a song that came out on the soundtrack in 94, but then was a song on her major label record a year later which was called Tales which I only knew because I looked up yeah. but I mean people hear Lisa Loeb they think of the song Stay but yeah I don't this is a really catchy song huge number one hit um yeah, huge. I, I mean, when you think about you know, it, like made her huge. a household name. Yeah. And I mean, no offense to her. She probably has a couple more albums that have decent stuff on them. But sure. that's all you need to know about Lisa Loeb in terms of cultural literacy. And it was, you know, it's interesting when that happens, when someone gets catapulted into the into name recognition status based on one thing like that. Yeah. I certainly couldn't name another one of her songs. Yeah, I mean, she has, she has a couple other ones. But I mean, you're right. That's the one. And I mean, that's like the, I guess, the one hit wonder kind of vibe like you were saying a lot of the 80s movies that had those songs yeah this is like the example of that from the 90s film that, that i picked out um the other ones that i picked were obviously artists that were here and will forever be notable and and mm-hmm. famous yeah but i mean she she's known for that song and she's known for that film um 
But the kind of cool thing is that like it, it kind of is a juxtaposition of like what the film was kind of going after. I think in, in that generation, you know, it's a lot sweeter and cleaner and I don't know, just like poppy than what a lot of what what you see in that film. Much like like uh, singles and uh, uh, like even the film Slacker. I mean, just like films like that that came out really kind of went after that alternative edge and, and it's and it's hinted at in in reality bites a lot especially by Ethan Hawke's character and what he's trying to do mm. um but it's kind of interesting that the hit single from the song or the hit single from the movie is like this sweet ballad almost you know just pure pop song you know mm. um but yeah I don't know just a, just a huge hit a really great movie in my opinion if you haven't seen it before but a really cool soundtrack too. But especially that song "Stay." I mean, any any time I think of like '90s hits, mixtapes that I make, or like when I put on my iTunes Genius Mix, it always seems to pop up in those '90s mm. mixes that it comes up with. Um, partially based on probably how many times I've listened to it in my iTunes library. But "Stay," I missed you. Mm-hmm. I found like I've probably said that to you a few times. Before, I know, John. right? I mean, yeah. So my last song. This is actually going to be the biggest pronunciation test for me. But I did manage to find out that this song. I, I had to seek this out to make sure this wasn't recorded specifically for the film. It was actually from a recording in 1968, which makes it an anachronism for the film because the scene in which this song appears in the movie is uh, set in 1954 from the film The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, wow. There's a scene where Andy Dufresne is, is unpacking a box of uh, records that they've received as a donation to the prison library, and he finds an opera recording. And the song, I'm going to have a really hard time saying this, but it's Solaria Che Suave Zeffaretto. And that translates to... That sounded incredible. A little song on the breeze. A little song on the breeze. But you probably remember the scene I'm talking about. Andy has... And then he locks himself into the office that's got the public address system in it. And he plays this song over the PA and all the prisoners stop what they're doing and listen to it. The moment when you isolate it from the film and look at it, because I did find it on YouTube. It, 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 it's a little corny when it's isolated from the film, but in the context of the movie, we've seen so much horror being heaped upon these men, and we've been, we've been allowed to sort of sympathize with just the notion of whatever these guys did to get put in prison. It's a horrible place to be. They say in the narration that he spent two weeks in solitary confinement after that, but that to him it was worth it Mm. because he got to feel just a little bit of moment of beauty. And there's a great bit of narration, and I'll actually quote from it. It's uh, Morgan Freeman's narration, which is one of the, I mean, one of the things that makes that movie work so well is his his narrate. Before it became cliche to hear Morgan Freeman's (laughs) voice narrating, um, he says, "I have no idea to this day day what those two Italian ladies were singing about." Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, 
Every last man at Shawshank felt free. It pissed the warden off something awful. Open the door. And so, again, the corniness of that moment on its own is is doesn't even touch the way when you're watching that movie, the way you feel that you believe it was worth it for Andy Dufresne to, ha- to have this moment of humanity amidst all this inhumanity. And you see, there's almost like a moment of like pure pleasure on his face when he sees they're about to come in and get him. And instead of opening the door like they're demanding, he leans over and he turns the music up just a little bit more. So it's like this great moment of defiance. And, and of course, you know, that movie has turned out to be one of those weird classic films that its reputation has only grown. But, you know, I, I don't think about that moment as much as some of the... There's other twists and other moments in that movie that get quoted and referred to a lot, but that moment has always kind of stuck with me as just a great expression of, of what music can mean mm-hmm. to, sure. to people. Cool. Any, any uh, close nope. calls? Anything Not else? Not for me. Not for me. You? I think just as like, because I was staying away from like some of the songs that were recorded, you know, basically the, you know, we kind of approached it differently. Like mm-hmm. the soundtracks <clears throat> that had all the songs that were like pre recorded or on other albums prior. And the two that stood out that year to me that were just overall just beasts of a soundtrack. Like if you just want to greatest hits of like the 60s mm-hmm. or something like that or the 70s were uh, the, <clears throat> the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like it's two discs. It's basically every song you'd ever want from that era. Right. And every time I listen to the soundtrack, because I still have that soundtrack, I can recall the scenes in the movie, like where each song is played. Like in, you know, the Buffalo Springfield song in uh, it, when he's in Vietnam. And, you know, certain songs just, you, it clicks me into that. It's movie. almost like hard to separate the soundtrack <clears throat> to that film from like the, the Time Life collection. I remember watching, when I was watching Watchmen, I thought this, that like Zack Snyder chose from, you know, because there's a lot of uh, uh, flashbacks in yeah. that. When you go to the era, sometimes it's like, are they choosing the most obvious song for that era or is they just find the perfect the song? The other one that was very similar in terms of what it actually featured was like, was the My Girl 2 soundtrack. <laughs> Basically the same artist, yep. a lot of the same songs. That came know. up in my search too. You have all those great songs in there. But in terms, I had, I had two other songs that stood out. One was a cover. It was Guns N' Roses, Sympathy for the Devil from Interview with a Vampire. And um, soundtrack slash song single was um, Stone Temple Pilots' uh, Big Empty from the Crow soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I always loved Stone Temple Pilots, and I was actually, a, I don't know, like a bigger STP fan than I probably was of a Nirvana fan. Mm. And that was very weird, you know, amongst yeah. my friends. But that song, uh, being a hit from that soundtrack, and then being on the Purple Album, which is an incredible um, alternative rock album, mm-hmm. if you like that 90s grunge stuff. Um but a cool movie. That kind of soundtrack, you know, artists like that. Stabbing Westford was on that that soundtrack. Um, but yeah, Big Empty was a was a huge single. More, I mean, more so from the soundtrack than when it actually came out on the album a year later. But um, yeah, that from this Crow soundtrack. Those those were the only other ones that I was trying to decide between. But um, fuck, Forrest Gump soundtrack is so good. Yeah. I'm getting it now. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I actually like I had to find the Ronald CD. is illegally downloading no. it right now. Spotify, actually. Oh. Offline playlist. Yeah. Fuck, man. This is dry. This has been driving me you crazy. Not, yeah, I mean, like, that's the soundtrack. I actually found the disc and, like, ripped it to my iTunes because mm-hmm. I, I physically have that white CD with the, where it opens on both sides. Like, oh, two yeah. discs, you know? Man, I miss those. And you just, like, you just don't, you don't touch, you don't touch the, 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 the I want to go back iPod. so far. I want to bring back the, the cardboard long box. <laughs> yeah, the so long <laughs> there was nothing in the first Isn't that product. ridiculous that they wasted that much? They wasted so, there was nothing in the bottom. And then the disc at the top. Yeah. 
CDs sounded so much different than anything I'd ever heard, though. Steve, make a note. I don't. We'll have to talk about this at the next podcast meeting. Could we package this podcast in a long box every week? <laughs> sure. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. It would be. If we ever make T-shirts, we should package the T-shirt in the long box so that we actually make space of that yeah. inside. Flatten it out. Yeah. yeah. For the first time ever, someone uses the whole long box. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Well, that was. I mean, that was kind of cool. I mean, I, I thought that was fun, kind of coming up with it. Oh yeah. Like I said, I was. I was stoked because I had. No, I, I had them quickly, but hearing your picks. Um, I'm not familiar with the song from Jason's lyrics, but everything else that you picked, obviously I've heard the Axel F theme before. It's just like in my head. But, yeah. Uh, but your picks, John, I definitely mm-hmm. had those soundtracks on my list as like yeah. those great soundtracks. Well, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, specifically. You know, at some point we might just have to do a general overview of like favorite musical cues for movies that, that aren't score because there were a lot of things that just, I was really sad to see they came out in a 93 or 95. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was going to say a score though. But What's a good score? Oblivion. But that came out this year. That was that wasn't that was that this year? <laughs> Maybe there was some time travel involved and you thought it came out in nineteen ninety four. No, not <laughs> no, not score wise. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't remember t- I didn't I didn't Did you watch... say Oblivion on our favorite score list? <laughs> that we did yeah. just that a we few just did? Ago. Did I say that? I don't remember. I don't wow. think you did. I don't think I did. But I recently listened to it again. Mm-hmm. No, but... that that one is good. Oh, uh, from nineteen. No, we talked about it. It's M eighty three, right? Yeah, M eighty three. Yeah, I think I, I know you and I said we both liked it better than uh, than the Tron stuff. Yeah. What the fuck was that, man? What the fuck was that? I I don't know. That we, we should do this like where we randomly just pick a year. Mm-hmm. Like even the soundtrack thing, I think is really cool because I think people can relate to the songs. Yeah. Even if you don't recognize that they're from that movie. Right. I think it's cool, like just randomly pluck a episode in the future. Yeah. And be like, this is gonna be another soundtrack schmountrack or whatever you want to call it who knows maybe 97 or so we'll be we'll be hard up for a topic again and we'll just do it again that's a good uh it's a fun filler because i mean we all love music yeah and have our hands in music in some way 94 was a rough year i couldn't i could not find anything like i even looked at like just scores i had you knew i'd pick lion king i knew it i knew it i knew as soon as i, I saw knew you'd 94. pick lisa loeb well see you, you guys know me so know, well two-thirds of my list you already had picked for me goddamn lion king <laughs> i do have one point of clarity with you ronald jason's lyric mm-hmm. where does that fit into the friday 13th canon does that is that after he takes manhattan <laughs> yeah, before right. he goes to space before space. he goes to hell <laughs> yeah is this the new chapter yeah That's a really good question yeah I think it's right around the marketing time opportunity they Manhattan. missed on that one. <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan. Jason Voorhees. Didn't lyric. he throw somebody off of a train? Am I imagining this? In, in Jason, Jason takes, takes Manhattan. Manhattan. I just remember that in a movie the about subway? him. Like subway. He threw somebody off of a moving. Subway. I just remember in a movie about him taking Manhattan. He's in New York for like the last three minutes of the movie or something. You know that it's all about them getting there. But. <laughs> so yeah, good times. Yeah, good picks, guys. 94 episodes. Now I get to wait anxiously to see which of these songs John picks to use as our outro music for this episode. Well, I think oh, yeah. we'll, be, we'll, we'll be peppering them in throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, cool. So, yes. okay. cool yeah. Well, that'll be another surprise to me. Yeah. <laughs> but what one will close it? Though? What episode? What will close the episode? That's a good Man, question. I, I, this, hmm. You're right hmm. about this Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah. Willie Nelson. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Leonard Skinner. Supremes. Man, Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. The birds, young bloods. Dude, incredible. The doors. Man, I'm gonna <laughs> That was weird. Are you taking this out? I Is that our so. outro run? <laughs> I did not do that on purpose. It's really loud. 
As always, folks, you've made our day. You've been listening to Movie Schmovie, episode 94. It's four minutes after the hour. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) I love that part. I gotta let this play out. Never mind. (laughs) Keep listening. Very relaxing. Thinking of just working up my appetite. Looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Rubbing sticks and stones together, make a sparks ignite. And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting. Sky rockets in flight. Afternoon delight. You guys have it, I think. Afternoon delight.